J-Rod Concerts presents live from the space at 100th Taylor. A new musical tradition, live from the space at 100th Taylor, celebrates the musical community of Music City USA, Nashville, Tennessee. Hosted by renowned international music photographer Jeff Fasano and yours truly, music journalist Jamie Rodriguez. Coming at you from the 100th Taylor Arts Collective in the historic Germantown neighborhood in Nashville, Tennessee. A new Nashville musical tradition is here. Hey everybody, this is Jamie Rodriguez. And guys, last year in my other podcast, J-Rod Concerts, a podcast, we had a guest who to this day, I think is one of our top 10 most popular episodes. Katie Cole, guys. Australian-born, Nashville-based, influential voice in Americana music. Katie Cole was one of the best episodes and we are pleased to welcome her to live by the space at 100th Taylor today on this really special occasion, guys. Jeff and I sit down with Katie for an over an hour in-depth episode. So buckle up for a conversation that will really take you to the inner psyche of uh, one of the most talented and uh, gifted artists that we are honored to have here in America. You know, she plays for the Smashing Pumpkins, but her own body of work is something incredible. Um, you know, she obviously started her journey in Melbourne, or Melbourne, I say. Uh, you know, she started playing when she was 16 in, in bars. And now, you know, she's uh, basically kicking butt. She's just released a new Kickstarter for a new EP. You know, she, she's uh, played in front of audiences of over 100,000 people. And, uh, you know, she's been at home like everybody else for the past year or so. So she's getting ready to crank up the machine. We were honored to have a sit down with her. And we hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, you know, there was a lot of talk about limiting beliefs with Katie, how 2020 pushed her to lead the way in live streams, her social media savvy, TikTok, and two really wonderful performances from Katie. Uh, two gorgeous songs, Lie to Me and Lullaby. So for more information on Katie Cole, including her new Kickstarter project, future tour dates, fan club, and more, check out katiecoleofficial.com. We thank you guys for joining the podcast for Live at 100th Taylor. If you like what you hear, give us a review, give us a, a rating, you know, uh, we appreciate you, listeners, and without further ado, this is Katie Cole. And hi guys, and welcome to Live from the Space at 100th Taylor, I'm Jamie Rodriguez, this is my co-host Jeff Fasano. How you doing, folks? And today we're honored and really grateful to have the amazing Katie Cole join us. Yay! Hi, Thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely, Katie. Thanks and, for coming. And, and so nice to actually meet you in the flesh after we've done. Right. We've right. done, you know, I think it was, was it Zoom podcast? We did yeah. the original podcast. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So seeing you in three dimensions. Yes. Yes. Much better. Yes. But it feels like I've, like, like, like I've I met know. you before. It's cool. I know. And now you're absolutely. in Nashville. Absolutely. And Katie, let's start with this. Let's start with that. When we last talked, you know, it was like we were in the heart of the pandemic. And I feel like we're like getting out of the weeds now of it, or like in the last chapter. Yeah. How is Katie Cole different today than when the pandemic first started? Um, I think I've, I've grown in a way I didn't expect. I mean, I came 
the last sort of few years leading up to the pandemic, the pandemic, <laughs> it's so sinister, but leading up to us sort of shutting down, you know, civilization and so forth, I'd done so much touring and had become so used to being comfortable in front of tens of thousands of people, which that's a really strange thing to say, but I became comfortable you know, really embracing the fears that I previously had. I mean, I've performed for so many years, but um, being on tour with um, the band that I play in the Smashing Pumpkins outside of my career and being, you know, in those crowds of like 50,000 people or 100,000 people and like they come with their own soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> you walk out of the stage and you're like, what? <laughs> I got used to that in a way Obviously, it's still exciting every time. And to then go to a virtual shutdown of nothing, no show, nothing. Mm -hmm. um, it's obviously a huge shock for any touring artist. Um, but I really took it upon myself to learn other skills. I've always been pretty, um, not tech savvy. I'm not one of those people. Um, I can't write, like, c compute and write and design an app or anything like that. I'm not that sort of tech savvy, but... I just sort of took it upon myself to sort of dive more into the streaming world and um, started to play a lot more online concerts and just continue my relationship and find a way to be personable with my fans. And I think I did a good job of that. Um, and I've maintained it because, you know, when you start something, I'm always that person. If you're going to start something, it's not that you have to know where it's going to go, but you've got to know that you can... Um, that it's of a high quality and that you can replicate the emotional response you're getting out of your fans. So I, instead of going live, like a lot of people went live on Facebook and Instagram and just kind of just yeah, jammed it out right. and that stuff, I decided to plan concerts and made them themed and took requests from fans and, yeah. you know, learnt tons of songs. And did did, you, did you do fun. it live on Facebook? I did it, did on, it on, on, a, on a site called Stage It. It's all live. But I, my thought process was watching everybody go live on Facebook and Instagram and everything. We all went into that sensory overload thing, like, because everything became online. So yeah. I was like, if I can take people off a website where it's, you can easily be distracted, be like, what's my friend doing? Or what are they doing? Mm -hmm. You get indications that someone else has gone live and yeah. you want to switch networks. I thought, take it off. Make it a real experience so that if you're watching my show, you're going to watch the whole show. Right. And so I did, I've been doing them on a, that site, Stage It. It provides like a 30-minute 30, 30 show plus a 20-minute encore, and it lets you know, like, you've got 10 minutes left. It flashes up on your screen, but you can read the chat windows all in live, so, you know, in real time. So I tell people to do clap emojis and stuff because yeah. obviously I miss the sound of an audience like as any live performer does, but... I don't know. I you know maintain a level of quality, plug in good sound, good lighting, make it feel like a show. Um, I think my fans have been really sort of excited, and I don't know. I sort of gave them part of what they really wanted, which is that yeah. everybody misses live music. And I know obviously we can start introducing some of it now, but I still think I've built something that I don't know will go away because right. it's still. I don't know. You, and can tune in, you can tune in yeah. and you have this connection. And it must be interesting from your perspective. When you are on tour, on stage, mm -hmm. you see the people clapping, crying to your songs, all that stuff. But now you're actually like reading. Yeah, like, I'm reading it. 
I'm reading it and I've, I've come, I've gone over that sort of learning curve of like, I am reading words to, I, I can imagine what these people are thinking when they're saying those things. Yeah. Like, oh, that was, a, that made me really sad, that song or, or, you know, people will tell you it's like, that was one of my favorite songs or my dad played me that song or it's one of the first vinyls that I ever bought or whatever it is. I, I don't know, I've, I've learned to translate to being more than just a comment on a Facebook or YouTube thread. It's, these are people right now, yeah. they're right, they're literally right there, I just can't see them. And they're, yeah. they're taking their time out to come watch me play a thing. Like, you, you've got to earn that. And so, I don't know, I, I think, I don't know, I just tried to create something that was you know, special in the meantime till we could get some sense of normalcy back. I don't know. I don't know if it's ever coming back, but um, I've always respected um, my craft and that comes down to the way that something's performed and the the relationship you have with those people because, you know, they're your your fans. They could be anywhere else at that moment, but they're there with you. So I, I never take that for granted, whether it's, you know, 10 people, 100 people, 1,000 people. I don't care how many people. It's Yeah. I never do a different job. Like, I would never play different to 10 people as I would to 10,000 people. amazing. Yeah, and it shows. Yeah. Yeah. And can I just give props to the marketing that you get to the stages? Like, how you did those, like, Rolling Stones and Beatles, like, Photoshop. I got to give it to you. That was pretty hilarious. So you would, like, <laughs> I'm just, an idiot. And like, I like to, Road, I like to, I like and then, to like, you're in the Abbey Road shot. And and like, I, know, I, I, I know. I did. I photoshopped myself, like, walking on the road yes. like an idiot. Um, no, it's great. It was great. Well, there's on, I mean, <laughs> there's only so many times that you can put a poster and say, I'm doing this show. I, I tried to make each, you know, digital poster I, I, I make for each one of these types of shows fit the theme. I think the 80s when I like, superimposed... Um, it's a really terrible 80s wig over the top of my hair. And it's, like, it just looks... An 80s wig? Like, it just looks it looks ridiculous. It was amazing. But... Because I want it to be, like... Aside, I mean... As, again, I said, you know, social media is, like, it's, it's that sensory overload sort of thing. It's... I still... Even though, like, most of those shows, like, I'd still throw an original here and there. Most of them are by request. And if they're themed, if it's 80s themes, clearly I didn't have music out in the 1980s, so that doesn't work for me. But people get to know your personality through yeah. those types of performances. And it may, even if you see, like, because some of my songs are super serious. Everybody knows that. Well, like you're, I, a, you're a super serious I'm, person for as long as I've well, known you. I am a serious person, <laughs> but my personality is still light and I don't. I still will, I'm still humble and I still make fun of myself and, you know, I will cut myself down and everyone else down too. Like, I think we're all, we're all still human. So I, I like to try and at least convey some of that in my, in my delightful artworks. What was, okay, so, 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 um, what was, I'm trying to phrase this. How do I think? Cause there's a, I got three questions in one here. Well, you can piece them out if it works can for I, you. Um, so when you had all of, we had all this time in this global pause mm-hmm. to do a lot of different things. And you could do your themed shows. Mm-hmm. So you, most artists probably go, man, what was I influenced by? Mm-hmm. And then go back and do all those covers. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously you did that. 
<laughs> so when you were doing that, um, what were the top three that you go, wow, I can't wait to get into doing these songs by all of these artists that I love so much? It, it's really hard to answer that because over the course of doing a really a show a month and I pieced them out to do a show a month so that again, so that the shows can be high quality, the fans can interact, pick songs and that I don't burn out fans as well. The people that are coming to watch me that they're not like, it's a weekly thing. <laughs> it's, it can be a lot. Some people want to see their favorite artists every week, but I mean, I did so two versions of 80s, 70s, uh, women of song, movie songs. I think I did movie songs twice. Um, cause obviously that covers a span of things. I did uh, a Halloween show. I did, um, guilty pleasures was one of the things. Guilty pleasures, there yeah. you go. Super fun. So, so, so it's like, so, but I'm saying that each one of those, even if you can say within like the movie songs thing, it's still spanned from somewhere over the rainbow to, um, you know, songs from the movie from like the crow, like it went, <laughs> it was all over the map. So like right. you, some of those shows spanned multiple genres and decades. So it's, it's hard to narrow it down. I was excited to play, let me think. I mean, I did Beatles and Stones and like some of those songs were what just. Were you, what were your guilty pleasures? What were your I guilty didn't get pleasures? nearly enough of those requests. Like I thought people would be like, all right, give me like. A banana rama song. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. What I was, nice. Honestly, that's <laughs> what nice, I was. That's right. exactly what right, I was expecting, right, right. and it's like I didn't get. I didn't get. I'm trying to think of any of the really out there ones. Like I didn't. I think I was the one that threw in a couple of the really out there ones for that. But I thought that was going to be wild. I was expecting wild, like. Yeah. You know, it's like rolling the dice, saying that to people, like, so, "What so do the, you really love?" So the guilty pleasure pleasure show was requests. Yeah, all of them have been requests. All of them, all of them have been I'm requests. I'm the only one, like, I, if I don't get enough requests or if I'm like, I have to throw this into oh, the mix, then all. I will pull a few songs. No, I will do, like, I will throw in a few and then make up the rest with requests. So they, so were you hoping for, like, Bananarama? Or, well, or? I was expecting it. When you throw it out <laughs> yeah. there, I was like, I'm going to get some Madonna. I'm going to get some exactly. Wham. Yeah. I'm going to get all, you know. And I'd, well, I'm, Wham would have been fun. Wham would have been But fun. people wham just went, oh, you know, I've just always loved this song it just went back to sort of normal requests so I, I to me that was an opportunity to get sort of crazy with it but right. I, I don't know if a lot of people really and maybe they didn't understand what it meant I'm not I'm not sure but I think the I think that the 80s I think the 80s ones and the 60s ones were really my favorites just yeah. because this the quality of songs was right. just that was that's what, so, I, so that's good. what I was asking yeah and even like the soul songs that I did, a lot of, you know, a lot of the songs that come, you know, from the soul era, uh, you know, from the 60s anyway. So I got, I mean, I've been lucky to learn some of those songs, but some of them were very complex. Um, and even delving into the, the last Beatles and Stones one, it was like, you know, I was doing Across the Universe and like these really right. complex Beatles songs. And I learned Blackbird on piano, which was is a guitar wow. song, but it's super difficult. Eleanor right. Rigby on piano, and it's nice. like just some very challenging songs. Um, but it was, and like that was definitely one of my my highlight shows. I knew it would be a big one just because you, 
it's not you can't do Beatles versus Stones. It's really Beatles and Stones. You can't have one without can't the other. <laughs> you so, can't. So do let that. me ask you a question. So n- you've done all of this. Yeah. Right. And when we move out of this and you're playing live again, mm-hmm. has doing all of the, that entire conglomeration of ev- all of that, is that going to change your, your live show? No. I've played covers. It's very, very simple. I've played covers where what I did in Australia as a kid for 10 years before I moved to America. I, I've been... I, you know, I've learned thousands of covers in my life. I was in, played acoustic shows, corporate bands, full bands. I mean, I've, I've, I've learned songs my whole life. I am not, I don't read and write music. I really know how to do what I can do because I've learned so many songs. I recognize the patterns. I recognize the structures. I recognize where those chords are being played. It's yeah. not just this chord, it's this chord played like this. And it works like this because it's in conjunction with this melody. This is what constitutes a hit song. So all of those things have always gone into my brain and have always sort of, I don't know, I suppose turned, turned those cogs and made sense to me. Um, learning songs used to be, so I think learning songs to me used to be a lot harder, but as, I've, as you do more of it, it become, you become a more efficient musician. And mm. I'm efficient sounds very robotic. I'm aware of that. <laughs> I am efficient. <laughs> but it makes you... Um, you hear the song, hear the pattern. I know exa- And I'll hear it and I'll be like, I know, I know I need to interpret it this way. Or sometimes it's like, I need to play it exactly like that or mm-hmm. it's not going to work. Or I can't learn this cover because there's too many counter melodies. It's like, I can't learn most songs by the mamas and papas and play them on my own because you need those counter melodies or the song does not, I can't sing two parts at once. I don't, I I can't sing like Tibetan style (laughs) and split my voice into, but I've learned how to assess songs, interpret them and also find the commonalities within songs. I've done that my whole life. So doing this as part of the pandemic thing just made it more of a way to um, connect with my fans, keep them engaged while I'm putting out new music because there has to be a point of difference. I can't just go online and just play my concerts and then be like, and now here's some more of my new music. You've got to, I mean, you don't have to, but for me, I saw it like I should split it up. So it's like, here's these things. I play a few of my songs. Here's these things. I play a few of my songs. I have a new video coming out it becomes like it's a different level of excitement it's not just more of the same in it dressed up in a different way sure so i've always i've tried to i don't know compartmentalize what i what i've done during um this lockdown so that it's not so that it's layered and it's not all this one level of of thing it's not beneath me to play covers i'd still do stuff for youtube and other things because People can't search for a song that they've never heard before. Mm-hmm. So if you stumble across something in my interpretation of this song or that song, then then they then it's that you know question what else she, what, what else does she, she have? Yeah, then the you'll hole. find me. And I I've tried to pick smart songs and do smart interpretations that are out there publicly, um, so that they represent. It's not it it will never be this is what I do, but it'll represent part of my personality. Um, and I've always tried to still maintain that level of mystery as an artist, so I'm not giving away 
everything I do and all that I do and everything that I am. So I will still show things like behind the scenes of this or that or me setting up this or that or this is how I explain to people this is I had a bad day or this is what my mum's going through because my mum is quite sick. But it's I, tr- I try to let people know bits and pieces but still maintain... Um, try to maintain a level of mystery still about who I am as an artist, that there's a, still an even bigger picture you don't sure. know about yet because everything's online. If that's the only way I can communicate with people now, it's hard to do that. It's hard to not just be this one, this one level of this thing that will plateau. Yeah. Um, I'm always really, really aware of that. Yeah. And part, I think I've had to use part or a lot more than a part of my creativity to to work out that internal dynamic. It's not just about the art. I can't... The art is the most important thing. That's why I'm here. That's obvious. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have that, I wouldn't be here. I I don't know what I would do. I'd probably work with animals or something. But to know that I can also use my creativity in the way that I go about showing people other parts of my personality. Yeah. Or again, using ridiculous artwork and doctoring myself into photos with the Beatles <laughs> or the Stones or whatever. I've always whatever, tried right. to, if I can't, if mm-hmm. I've got a thing in my head, this is the thing I want to do, I'll find a way to communicate it. That's important to me. Definitely. Um, Definitely. And I have, a, I have a huge project that's coming up soon. Um, well, why don't you play a song for us and we'll talk about the project on the other side of the song. You got it. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, thank you so much for of course yeah but like we're excited like but also again like I doing what I do Mm -hmm. I've always um, I always try and find the way to um, express a level of gratitude a lot of artists I mean there's an attitude that comes with rock and swagger and coming in with this thing and this facade and you know, walking into a room and being the rock star and all that stuff. But I don't know, th- this pandemic has also made me super grateful of yeah. where the position that I'm in, the people that I meet. Yes. When it's, Agreed. it's like everybody had that mini health skip. <laughs> you're right. So it makes you also reassess where you're at. I love it. I love it. It's all true. right. So here's a really sad song. <laughs> what, what's the name? Um, the name of this song is uh, Lie to Me. I made it a really big um, focus for myself because I used to only write sort of up-tempo, feel-good, find-the-happy-way-of-saying-the-thing type songs. Um, and I thought I started to sort of delve into the other side of the fence of mm. songs. So songs about the bad relationships and grief, and this song's more about grief um, and really not knowing what someone else is going through. Nice. Which is, you know, a big thing, especially now with um, mm. the focus on mental health. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, here we go. Cold hangers, half empty closet, stacks of papers. Left how you want it Hope I make it Through the world This tonight Quiet hallway Covered in picture frames Every memory 
It's like a freight train. Hope I make it through this night. So walk back inside. Lay here beside. Say it's alright. It's what I need. Small talk, sipping your coffee now. Your empty chair, well, it just don't seem right. Strange how people can hide the darkest secrets. You were so lost, I didn't even see it. The hardest part is I never said goodbye. Walk back inside. Lay here beside. Say it's alright. It's what I need. Someone like me. So, Katie, we've talked a lot about covers. We talked a lot about uh, you know music that you've done, but you've also released some of your own stuff. You had yep. this beautiful song, "I'm Gonna Love You," uh huh. And you mentioned that you have a new project coming up. I I do. Well, I tried it. I learned a while ago that it's better to. Well, I would love to just put out lots of music all the time and just be like, but it's better to give people sort of time to absorb a song and then focus on the next song. So, I've tried to do that for my. The last um, crowdfunding that I did, I still have a couple songs to release from that, but I'm about to launch another um, crowdfunding um, for um, the next record that I'm making. It's in a, um, a sort of semi-acoustic EP, but I'm planning to do a lot more with it so that I can make some more videos because people don't really sort of... It's not that they don't understand how much 
time, effort, and money goes into having an artist career, but you expect on putting out a single, I want to also listen to it with my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and I had such an amazing response from um, a, the single I put out before, I'm Gonna Love You, called Hands Tied. I shot with um, my friend uh, Dalton Snedden and my makeup girl did this amazing sort of glam makeup, huge hair, it's total sort of, you know, bardo, 60s hair, which is like my favorite of all time. Like, what was the thing that Loretta Lynn said? Um, Tease it to heaven and spray it to hell. <laughs> like that's your, that's the, the that's philosophy for hair. I like. That always kind of stuck with me. Um, but I'm a, yeah, I'm about to launch that. Um, I'm super excited about it because it's been a while since I've made like made music and actually had like the. I'm always doing music, but when when you go into sort of creator mode to write and then to go into creator mode to go into the studio it's a whole other experience and I put so much time and effort into the things that I do. It's not just like me in the box making fat beats and everyone else is great at that. That's not my jam at all. I like to sit down, spend ages crafting and rewriting the songs. I do pre-production, which means, you know, picking songs that I want to reference for like, I want it to sound a bit like this, but have my flavor on it like this. Um, it's it's a big sort of it's a big undertaking to take on to now I'm going to try to record a whole new thing. It's like it it gives me excitement and slash anxiety. <laughs> so Katie, I've known you for almost ten years. We met in LA. I went to see you play the whiskey the whiskey mm-hmm. on Sunset Boulevard. And we've known each other and we've shared a lot over all of these years, I photographed you a couple of times. So I know for me, when the global pause happened last March, I went from a couple of amazing photo shoots into boom. And I decided to really go within Mm -hmm. and look at my life at that point, uh, both as, as an artist, as a photographer, and me as a person. And I've done a lot of reflecting and I've done a lot of work. And I know I'm not the same person I was a year ago. I'm I'm a totally different person now and a different artist. And I've had that time to reflect and and go within. So for you, um, as an artist and as a person, what has shifted for you? Has anything shifted for you where you know, you've grown, you've had a lot of aha moments or realizations about where I want to go as an artist, who am I as an artist, and all, you know, all that good stuff. Um, I suppose, I'll just give one word answers. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose. I mean, I came off a huge European tour of playing 19 countries Well, I played 19 countries in 2019 because we did Europe and then we did an American tour. And I had gone through a series of very stressful, high emotion, exciting bucket list, all those things. All those things to then the start of 2020, I was brought in um, to work on another project with the Smashing Pumpkins. I was asked to 
help with the background vocal arrangements for their album called Sia, and that's 20 songs. And the references for background vocals were The Sweet and Queen and Fleetwood Mac. And I was like, and I listened to these songs and I was like, whoa, like I've got a lot of work to do. But, and I start, went into the studio to, to help with that and record. Um, it was myself, another background singer, and um, Billy also sang some, a few parts here and there too, along with the, obviously his lead vocals. But I had that sort of, one of those aha moments um, was, I'm, I'm good at this. I mean, I've always known that I'm good at it because I've always done huge background vocal arrangements and I do the, I think background vocals are a part that's often missed in a song. It's not like every song needs to, I'm not that person, but it's like sometimes it's like you can create this arrangement that does the job of an instrument while allowing space for other things. Um, I've learned to navigate that throughout my career and it was that's a time where I had the ability to apply it to somebody else's project in a very big fashion and had amazing feedback from not only the band but the fans to um, to get uh, feedback from it, a little bit of recognition, but that was one of those aha moments for me. I'm really good at this thing that I do. Um, and I think I also got that I am... After doing all those very big tours, I went from an arena tour one year to the huge European tour and playing, I mean, f- some of those festivals, as, as I said, it was like download festival was 100,000 people. Yeah. Where you look out there and you're like... Forever, yeah. Wow. <laughs> like, it's crazy. It's just an ocean of people. So you get over your fears and you get all of, over all that stuff pretty, you know, pretty quick. But to realize I think I'm a better musician than I've previously given myself credit for. I still can't read or write music. And if I write charts, only I can understand what I'm saying because it's just nonsense in some Elvish language of, of notes. Um, but I can play guitar. I never, you know, never used to call myself a guitarist. I never used to call myself like a piano player. Even, you know, raring to say I'm a vocalist, even though I'm a lead vocalist. I don't know whether I've always been too shy to admit the things that I'm good at, but like I definitely stepped in, into those, you know, shoes to be like, this is something I know what my skills are. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, a, I'm more com- confident in my skill sets and I'm more confident in saying these are these things that I can do, um, which is a big learning curve for me personally and professionally because yeah. I can say that to other people and within myself I'm not cringing when I'm like I'm good at this thing <laughs> yeah um, sure. there's always room for improvement but I feel like I got better at it and acknowledged something in myself that was the biggest one of the biggest things for me was I um, never realized and it's really hard to say isn't it it's like I'm really good at what I do. Mm. Isn't that, uh, it's, I think uh, so many artists have a challenge with that. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, wow. You know, because uh, as artists, we always f- are feeling vulnerable about what we're doing because we're putting ourselves out there to the world. Yeah. And to really get to that place of saying, you know what? I'm pretty damn good at what I do. Yeah. I know for me, that is was one of the shifts that I made in, in, the, in the last yeah. year ago yeah. when I looked at everything. Well, you put yourself out there, but the bigger realization on top of that is you put yourself out there and you're faced by you first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not 
that you put yourself out there and other people looking at you and you care what other people think. You care what you think more. So it's the self-doubt and self-criticism and self-analytical stuff. That's the stuff that can be um, either the greatest joy or the greatest hindrance to your career. And also the playing the comparison game with other artists. And mm-hmm. I can't remember who said it, but it's like comparison is the killer of creation. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. It's like that is true. Totally. And when you're stuck in a um, lockdown situation, all you're doing is looking at it. I still play that game. I can't yeah. not because I like to know what other people are doing to try and get ideas too. But I often now, as in like recently, um, will be like, even if I'm like, even if I'm still playing that, oh, should, I want to do that, why am I doing that? I st- will g- come around to the final realisation of, well, I'm also doing this that they're not. Or I'm also, I've also had these huge experiences, like, again, part of that stepping into my shoes as the artist thing, like one of, one of the experiences on the European tour, um, you know, I've been rehearsing heavily, heavily, heavily with the Smashing Pumpkins for a month, if not more, because it was, you know, learning the songs prior to that and then rehearsing with the the band in Chicago for a couple of weeks and rehearsing in Germany for a couple of weeks before we start the tour. And that's like hardcore, bang, 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 bang. All you're doing is these handful of songs. Well, it's not a handful of songs, it's a lot of songs. Mm -hmm. Um, First night of the first show of the tour, the opening band pulls out and I get the on my dressing room door, do you want to open the show? It's either you or no one. (laughs) (laughs) So I talked to the tour manager, Doug, who I love. He's an absolute treat. Um, And I'm like, I paused because I'm like, I did that thing in my head of, do I know my songs? Am I prepared? And then I'm like, just give me half an hour because it was like 4.30, sound check, you know. Yeah. I needed to go, 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 go. It was yeah. going to happen right then. So I'm like, give me half an hour to go through my songs. I just want to make sure they're there in my like autopilot Definitely. or whatever. Went through my songs and I'm like, I'm good to go. Literally finished, had the, I'm good to go. Went out there, sound, did my sound check and played to whatever it was, seven, eight, 9,000 people. Right. You know, make you feel? great. It was a great show. And like, it was Norway and Perfect they crowd. were yeah. expecting a metal band to be opening. So I'm like, guys, it's me or no one. Yeah. And like, I just did my thing of showing my personality to the, to the audience and, you know, winning them over, told them some stories. And some of them, I mean, honestly, cause a lot of people know who I, who I am because they know my, they know my relationship to the Smashing Pumpkins. So they know my name or they at least know my face. And they're like, she kind of looks like whatever. Uh, she kind of looks nuts. True, true, accurate. Um, but you know, playing, doing stuff like that and going out there and just playing essentially Americana folk singer songwriter songs to a hardcore audience Mm -hmm. and still doing a great job. Like that's when you get those, I'm, I'm actually good at the thing that I do. Absolutely. And it's not that I need that validation, but under high stress with no notice, no nothing. Whereas most people will play, like if most people, if they you know, been given that opportunity, you get to open yeah. for the Smashing Pumpkins tonight. Right. Be planning months in advance and rehearsing right, and right. sound, all these things. And there's me like, you know, a blink of an eye's notice and I'm out there. Definitely. To not my audience at all, clearly. Okay, you've been so good with your time, but um, let, let me do ask one more question and then, uh, and then I'll let Jeff kind of like take it away. 
you had a great quote on social media that said, failure is the condiment that gives success its flavor. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, Truman Capote said it, but yeah. but I loved it because yeah. I, I also live like that. Yeah, like, that totally. Life, to me, that's, that life doesn't happen to you, it happens for you. That's yeah. like my motto. Tell me a little bit about, you know, a failure. I shouldn't even call it failure. A setback that you've had, Katie Cole, that has made you, in retrospect, just be grateful for it. I mean, it's never, it's never been one thing. Mm. I think my whole life I can say that it's never, ever been one thing. <clears throat> it's been the series of failures and little victories, one big victory, one big failure, whether it's relationships or spending too much too much money on this marketing campaign that went nowhere you know doing radio campaigns that go nowhere to no one i'm like you know, know. but but, yeah. you, but you could it's it's so easy to spend money on the wrong places with the wrong people but i've always had that thing of well i haven't done it yet and i don't know until i try and what if this is the da 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 and 50 percent or more of the time and it may be less than that could be you know, hiking up my percentages and doing terrible accounting. But when I take chances on things that are unfamiliar to me, like I took a chance on a um, radio promoter when I first moved to Los Angeles, he was a radio promoter for the, um, in the UK. And he's like, my niche market is breaking American artists. And I, I was American then because I was living in America, obviously right. clearly American born and bred. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, I'll take a chance on this guy. And you know, it wasn't a lot of money at the time, but it was money for me because I'm broke and the exchange rate at the time was terrible. Anyway, whole other side to that. Took a chance on that. And he got me playlisted a couple of times on BBC Radio 2, which, is national, which yeah. is national radio there. It, when it happened the second time, and he's like, this is, this is a thing. You know, independent artists don't get playlisted. And the, being playlisted on um, BBC Radio 2 is like, it's like the tastemaker um, playlist. They have the A-list, the B-list, mm -hmm. the C-list in terms of rotation, but all the surrounding countries, France, Ireland, Scotland, they all look in at that chart to go, well, do we add those songs? What are those mm -hmm. songs? They, so it's the tastemaker. Um, and I was like, well, okay. And then I was like, well, what do I do? I've now got people listening to my song and I'm not there. So I booked myself a couple of acoustic shows over there. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. You know, I went and played three shows and did some radio interviews with, with BBC and like, here's me, I don't know what I'm doing, Katie over there. But you learn. And that, yeah. was, that was one of the victories of things that I took a chance on that worked for me, things that haven't worked for me. I've been, whether it's relationships or taking a chance on doing this show or this tour or opening up for this person or spending money on this thing or... I shot an entire video for a song that I never released because the edit was never right. So it's like, and I spent money on it and had, you know, dances in the video and it was like this big facade. And I'm like, I can't, my integrity says no. Mm. You spent the money too bad. If it's not perfect and if it's not A-level, sorry. Mm. And that's how, that's how I've, I've been that way for a really long time. Um, because nothing will... If you don't think it's right, you, you're sort of doing everyone else a disservice by sharing it with other people and mm -hmm. going, here's my almost good thing. I like that. <laughs> you know? here's, here's, here's my B-level thing. Or whatever. And, I, and it's not that. Like things, sometimes the things that I think are like, you know, cringeworthy or not good enough, 
to other people, they may be like, oh my God, it may be those things to other people, but if I don't feel good about it, if I feel uncomfortable, that doesn't represent the best version of me or my art, I can't, it's not the right thing to do. It's just not. And I, like, I've turned down managers, labels. I mean, I've, I've turned down a whole bunch of things that were not good. I don't know if they would have been the right thing or not, but if it's not right, it's not right. Mm. And even though some things may have been huge opportunities I've said no to. Um, Your integrity. I, I can't. Your artistic integrity, man. I, I, I just can't. And those failures, that are things that have broken or not worked, or things that, again, that I've, I've, I've either invested in that haven't worked out, um, or relationships I've invested time in, or emotional energy in that haven't worked out, I've learned so much from them. I've learned how to... Yeah. I've learned how to fail. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with saying you failed. People are always like, you didn't fail, you learned something from it. I'm like, no, it's okay to say I failed at this thing. Mm-hmm. It's okay to take it and go, I didn't win this one. Somebody else did. And if you know how to lose, that's a ho- I think that's a whole other thing. Because you can't get, you can't win them. You cannot win them all. You know but what? it doesn't stop me from trying. And that's what that post was really about. Mm. I give myself permission to keep trying these new things, to keep trying. I don't care if I fall down. I don't care if it's right for no one else but me. If I, if I feel so heavily inclined to follow this particular path that I am making, no one else has made for me. No one else is doing the work. I'm yeah. doing it. I'm okay to fail at certain things because the other things that I've made myself that have been victorious, I'm super proud of and, I've, I, and I thank myself for them. Yeah. And obviously the team of people and fans and people that, without that foundation of all those people around me, I wouldn't do what, what I do. I think I'd still make art, but they're the ones that allow me to make it on a much bigger level. Like sure. they're the ones that say, thank you, or you told my story for me. You know, one of the biggest lessons with what you're saying that, that I got back when I was, uh, and I still hear his voice in my head, um, when I was at Parsons in New York, went back to study photography, and um, my mentor, teacher, he's my friend to this day, Mario Cabrera, we'd come out, and I'm going to make this really short, we'd show him our prints from the darkroom. And we'd do that, he would critique it, you go back in the darkroom work again. And so one day, one night, I went out in the darkroom. There's a lot of people around, huge darkroom at, at Parsons in New York. And he goes, what do you think of it? And I looked at him and I said, I can live with it. And he looked at me, he said, what? What? You can live with it? Get your ass back in that darkroom and, and in front of everybody. Yeah. To this day, when I'm working on an image... And I hear that voice come up inside of me saying, um, I can live with that. I hear Mario Cabrera. What? Yeah. You can live. And, and to, your, to what you were just saying yeah. is that as artists, it's not about living with it. No. It's got to be, we've got to be so moved by what we're doing yeah. because we're doing, doing it for ourselves. Last night I went to at last night um i just saw reverend Pey- Peyton and his big damn band at city winery and he so they played a couple of songs and he says uh i've seen a lot of people do this song and and this and that he goes 
Um, folks, I know we're here to perform for you, but this one's for me. It was great. And, and he, he just says, and I'm going to do it right now. And it was totally instrumental with the band. And it was wonderful. And at the end, he goes, you don't have to applaud. That was for me. And, and, and as an artist, I went, yeah. that's what we do. Yeah. Right? We, we, it's about, it's, it, we're doing it for us first. We have to be moved by it. Um, and then we will show it to the yeah. world. Well, I think it's that, um, I don't know if it's something I read or something that just appeared in my brain, <laughs> but like no one else will ever believe more in your art than you do. Right. You can't can like, that's the, that's the myth of like a record label or a manager or an agent or whoever it is that's in the creative realm for creative people. Um, you cannot ever expect them to be as passionate as you. Yeah. Ever. Mm -mm. They can't, they cannot, no. they can be passionate and should be because if they're working with you or for you, they should be. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's your baby, but it's your, mm -hmm. well, it's you. Yeah, exactly. you, it's your art, but it's also exactly. you. It's a part of you. I agree. Um, and like those things of like, you said, <clears> it's, you know, it was your teacher. Like for me, if I'm listening to a, a vocal or a part or a song or a lyric or whatever it is, I mean, I'll often do you know, revision after revision or take after take. And some people can go into the studio and just sing like, you know, the first take and that's the one. But often for me, unless I've been singing out a song for an extended period of time, I don't know how far, far a song can really go. I don't know how far a song can go with me singing it a certain way or changing the way I sing it. And that's where working with my producer works because he'll basically kick me until not physically, because that would be illegal. <laughs> he'll kick me until I get to a place where he's like, he'll say to me stuff like, well, how would Aretha sing it? I'm like, I can't sing like Aretha. I'm not Aretha. And he's like, but how would she approach it? Right. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, well, she'd go hard here and you'd feel that. And then this part, and then she, and he's like, and he's like, and she'd, she'd swagger off the beat and come back to it. He's like, you know, he always sort of kicks me in that position of like, you're not using all of your vocal. And it's much easier for me to use more of my vocal singing someone else's song because I'm not thinking it through so much. I'm just expressing it and acting on what feels right. right. So I might interpret a song and take it somewhere else just for this verse because it feels right. But I don't always do that in the immediacy of writing a song or write the song first and I'm true to the melody and I respect it. But then there's times where I have to come back to it and, you know, push on the boundary of right. where that melody is because it needs to have the expression or push on the boundary of where the pitch is because it needs to have that emotional expression that it's missing. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be right. Mm -hmm. so, one so you'll know, like you'll know. And if, if it's not right, like right. if you've got, if you've got the right person, the right teacher, producer, manager, someone else is around you. If they point at something and like, yeah, but, and if you inside you, you have that spike that goes, I know that's when you change it. Yeah. That's when you fix it before it's out there. But you should also have some level of that internal notion. So with, when you just said my songs and what I do is me, mm -hmm. one of the questions we're asking on our shows of all the artists is who is Katie Cole right now in your life right now? 
who I've, like I said before, I've known you a long time. Who is Katie Cole right now in April, May of 2021? A little more fierce than I used to be. You know, and that takes a lot to say that. I'm humble. Super grateful for the opportunities that I've been given. Because when I take on board the fierceness that I just mentioned, when I realize the opportunities I've been given, I also know that I wouldn't have been given them if the people around me didn't think I could do that job. So, and now I know, as I said to you, I realize that I am capable of doing these jobs. And it's not ego it's not being overly confident for the wrong reasons. It's just looking at my past. When you look back down through your path and go, I've done a lot. Like I've done a lot. Even down to the, I sacrificed sleep on tour to go out and see something in every single city and every single country. Cause I don't know where I'm back again. I don't know if I'll ever be back again. Yeah. You wake up in Luxembourg and you're like, what's, what do I do here? Mm. So you go see a thing, you go, that desire to seek has never stopped in me. I want adventures. I don't always know how to create those adventures. I try my best to just keep my eyes open and just be, I don't know. I know I'm nicer to people than I've ever, ever been in my life. I've never really been like a total jackass or anything like that, but I do know that taking the time to talk to, again, in a touring situation, random crew members that I don't know what they do. I just know that they're working their butts off and they're they're away from their families too. Even though I might only get to sleep in like the five-star hotel room for like three hours, they're not, they're sleeping in a truck somewhere probably. But talking to people, even if it's just waving at random people on the street, I don't care. I know I take more time to, I don't know, just be there, Mm. be a bit more present. Being on tour and being on big stages and having these very high emotional um, states that you're in gives you, um, zen is not the right word. But you definitely are so far into the moment that you kind of space out almost. And if you have to catch yourself and bring yourself back into your... If you're in the moment too much, when, if, again, I'm around these very strange circumstances. I'm an Americana, down-to-earth artist. And I've been put in these really heightened circumstances. And you are forced to take in that moment, appreciate it, live it. It may not happen again. I've done that on every single show and every single tour I've ever been on. But that feeling of appreciating the moment becomes a habit. Mm -hmm. Even though it began in those heightened circumstances of like fear and adrenaline, excitement and all that stuff. When you do it enough every single day, it becomes a habit like anything. Mm -hmm. That now I sort of wake up and even though I'm not like... I'm having a hard experience of getting the mail from the mailbox. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah. This is amazing. Yeah, gratitude. I'm still, it's yeah. that being present and 
and just appreciating the day. Hey. I, that's come with me full circle to where I'm at right now. And Beautiful. it's been a compilation of all those experiences and having, obviously the pandemic is that, that sense of fear on health. Mm -hmm. um, but because I have that appreciation of the moment, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I worry as much as I used to. I don't have as much. I mean, I still have anxiety because we live in an anxious world. Mm. Um, and we live in a stressful world, but I don't think I've got as much as I used to. And mm. I'm very appreciative of that. Cool, cool. Cool, Katie. Well, that was beautifully said. Let's, that's a perfect place to leave it. Why don't you uh, take it away with uh, one of your great songs? <laughs> From your good. great catalog. <laughs> now, this song's a metal song. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> a song that's going to reveal more of Katie to the world. <sighs> Well, this song... Is this, is this, what are you thinking, is this gonna, Is this going to do that? Well, it, I decided, I thought this would be a good one to bring to the table because it's super dark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all we need, yeah? Well, again, embracing... I've, I've found more in myself when I edit less. I don't know how, how else to explain that, but I used to edit so much out of my songwriting. Again, it would be the happy endings and the upbeat attitude. And that's all part of who I am. That's obvious. You can hear it in my voice. I'm pretty positive. But <laughs> along with that comes the shadow of so much that I've sacrificed in my life. Again, whether it's growing up with not much money, relationships I've left behind, watching things break around me, I don't know. But that's all that all comes with you too. So I've I, again I learned to embrace telling the darker end of the spectrum in stories too, because it's often left behind because people are too afraid to talk about it or they think it will, won't be well received. But I started to do that thing of, but it's true. Mm. <laughs> so this song's called Lullaby and it's essentially a song about adultery. But it's much more than that in the sense that it's also about the the cascading effect that one tragedy can have on another relationship. Um, this isn't a true story. I, I was telling Jeff a little bit earlier on that I am a storyteller and I do like to compile my own personal experiences with experiences from other people, but I always draw from my own emotion. And I want to quote the artist Bjork because she always comes to mind. When you think about because people are like, well, how can you put your emotion into it if it's not your story? It may not be exactly true to me, but it's true to somebody else. And if I put my emotion in, it becomes real. And Bjork once said something about her electronic music and they're like, but it's mechanical and whatever. And she's like, well, if there's no emotion or no humanity in it, it's because nobody put it there. And mm. I was kind of, that's always stuck with me. I mean, she's crazy and brilliant, but... 
that applies to any sort of art. I don't care what it is. If somebody doesn't put the heart there, it's not going to be there. Exactly. So this song's called Lullaby. <laughs> Good luck to me. <laughs> Lullaby. What an amazing setup. Said holy vows in front of the Lord. She was so in love, but he wanted more. His longing eyes fixed straight on me. Only one place this could lead. And our love was blind behind closed doors where no one stores. We never